Our learning objective is to explain the various characteristics of mutual funds, including their sales fees, benefits, and disadvantages. When we talk about investment companies, there are quite a variety of structures that are utilized in the marketplace. This would include open-end companies, closed-end companies, REITs, RELPs, and REMIX, unit investment trust, exchange-traded funds, and hedge funds, among other types of companies. Right now, let us focus on the open-end investment company. An open-end investment company is also referred to as a mutual fund. So keep in mind, a mutual fund is one type of investment company. It's an open-end investment company. So all mutual funds are investment companies but not all investment companies are mutual funds because there are other categories or structures that are utilized as investment companies. The basic idea behind a mutual fund or an open-end company is that an investor can only buy shares from the fund itself. That is, whenever you buy shares in a mutual fund, these are newly created shares that are being sold to you. And when you want to liquidate your investment, you can only sell your shares back to the mutual fund. And so that's why we refer to selling the selling of mutual fund shares as redeeming shares. So you don't actually sell them, you redeem them to get your money back out. So the total assets of a mutual fund will grow and shrink as investors buy and redeem their shares. Trades in mutual funds take place only after the close of the market. And so what happens is the, after the close of the market, the mutual fund establishes its NAV or net asset value. And so if you are buying uh, shares in the mutual fund, uh, then you will pay a price equal to the NAV plus a load charge, if any. And if you are redeeming your shares, you will sell them at the NAV less any uh, load charge that might exist. The NAV, again, stands for net asset value. It's the per share market value of the mutual fund's portfolio and you compute it as total assets, that is the total market value of the assets, less any liabilities of the fund, divided by the total number of shares outstanding in the fund. Total liabilities is usually a relatively small number for most of these funds, and so NAV is approximately the market value of the assets divided by shares outstanding. NAV conceptually says if you liquidated all the holdings at today's market value, paid off your liabilities, and distributed the money to the shareholders, that's the value each shareholder would receive. There are different types of mutual funds that are distinguished by what they hold in the portfolio and what type of strategy they are following. 
Some of the broad categories include common stock funds, hybrid funds, which have both stocks and bonds in them, bond funds, money market funds, and a whole variety of other categories of funds. One of the types of funds that uh, is very popular is what we call an index fund. And an index fund is where the mutual fund has a portfolio of either stocks or bonds whose objective is to replicate a major market index. So for example, uh, the S&P 500 is a popular major market index, and so there are quite a few index funds who construct their portfolio to exactly mimic uh, the S&P 500 index. In the case of a bond portfolio, it might be set up to duplicate the Lehman Brothers aggregate bond index. Index funds are very popular uh, for reasons such as they are very low-cost funds uh, that are especially useful in passive investment strategies in which the investor is satisfied to, ma to essentially match the performance of an index. So for an investment advisor, a financial planner, who just wants to make sure that the client has an adequately diversified portfolio that covers various asset categories, index funds uh, that are identified to match holdings in the broad asset categories would represent a very simple, inexpensive way to creating such, such a portfolio for a client. When you own mutual funds, you get return in three forms. Some of the return comes in the form of price appreciation, which simply means the NAV of the shares is going up. Secondly, you would get dividends and interest. Mutual funds function as pass-through entities. So uh, every quarter or six months or a year, depending on the fund itself, uh, they will uh, total up all the dividends and interest received on the securities in the portfolio and pass those through to their shareholders on a pro rata basis. And that's referred to as a regular dividend. Once a year, funds will compute their accumulated capital gains for the year and then also distribute those capital gains and that's referred to as a capital gain distribution. The wonderful thing about dividends and interest income and particularly the capital gain distribution is under the tax code the uh, income retains the nature of what it was when it was part of the fund. So if you receive a capital gain distribution, then that proceeds would be taxed as capital gain income. Some funds are what we refer to as load. The word load is industry jargon for commission. Now, many funds are no-load funds. So you can think of the industry as consisting of load, and no-load funds. The maximum load charge nowadays is 8.5%, although 
uh, it has been many, many years since I have seen any funds that charge the full 8.5%, and I doubt that there are any such funds out there today that are at the maximum load charge. The load charge is based on the gross purchase price. So if you had a mutual fund which charged the maximum load of 8.5%, if you were to write a check for $1,000 to purchase shares, what would happen is 8.5% or $85 goes to pay the load, and so you end up actually buying $915 worth of shares rather than $1,000 worth of shares. Many funds have a breakpoint for their load charges which says they will reduce the load if your purchase exceeds a certain dollar value. Sometimes uh, the breakpoint schedule is combined with rights of accumulation which says that if the shares you have bought over the years exceeds those breakpoints, you get the reduced commission. Some funds will also accept letters of intent, which says if you sign a letter of intent saying, I will invest X dollars per year over the next number of Y years, then they will figure your commission rate based upon your total intended investment, and then you get the lower commission rate right from the start. Most loads are front-end loads, so they are charged as part of the purchase of the shares, but sometimes funds will have back-end loads or contingent deferred uh, sales charges. Uh, usually back-end loads will go away if you hold the fund long enough. When you have a load charge, a load fee, and you want to figure out what you would have to pay to buy a share, you have to remember that the asking price of a mutual fund share is equal to the NAV divided by 1 minus the load percentage. And so think of the ask price, the price you would pay to buy shares, as kind of the marked up value which you get by dividing NAV by 1 minus the load percentage in decimal uh, form. Now whether or not uh, a fund has a load fee associated with it, all funds have other types of fees. There is an investment advisory fee which every fund has because the portfolio managers like to actually earn an income from managing the portfolio. So all funds have uh, an investment advisory fee to pay for the people who operate the fund. Some funds have 12B1 fees, which are named after a section of the code that uh, created them. And the idea behind a 12B1 fee is the fund says, look, we'll reduce or we'll waive our load charge, but in order to pay for our marketing expenses, we will charge a fee on an ongoing basis. So every year we will charge a slight fee to each investor as a percentage of their holding, and this is referred to as a 12B1 fee. 
And the argument is that all investors benefit from the ongoing marketing of the shares of the fund and the growth in the uh, size of the portfolio. Funds, just like everybody else, pay brokerage fees when they trade. And sometimes you will find all sorts of other fees in a mutual fund. There may be uh, an exchange fee if you're going to sell one fund and buy another fund that's managed by the same uh, uh, management team. Uh, there may be an account maintenance fee, particularly if you have a lower balance. There may be uh, reinvestment loads if you indicate to the fund that you want to reinvest your dividend distribution, your regular dividend, or your capital gain distribution. So when you are going to uh, buy, invest in a mutual fund, you need to get the prospectus and you need to read it to make sure you understand all the fees that the fund might be charging. Many funds come in what we call classes of shares. So it's the same portfolio, but you can take your choice as to how you pay uh, the fees to the fund. There are Class A shares, Class B shares, and Class C shares. And the class structure is uh, uniform. A Class A share usually has a large front-end load and minimal or no 12B1 fee. So uh, it may be something worth considering if you intend to hold your shares for a very long time period. Class B has a back-end load and 12B1 fees, and they're usually convertible to uh, Class A after the load fee is waived. Class C shares have minimal or no front-end load or back-end load, but they will have substantial 12B1 fees. And these may work best if you plan to hold your shares for a relatively shorter period of time. Now, mutual funds are very popular investments because there's a lot of very good advantages to them. Uh, you acquire professional portfolio management. It's one of the few investments where you can get incredible diversification for relatively small dollar investment. They are extremely convenient. Uh, they provide good record keeping. And there's other factors. For example, they are regulated. And most of the regulations are actually good and beneficial for the investor. There are some disadvantages to mutual funds. Management fees, expenses, and loads for load funds reduce returns. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. The uh, large investors, such as uh, mutual funds, sometimes adversely affect the market where they trade. So uh, because mutual funds, uh, particularly the larger ones, when they trade, make such large uh, trades in terms of number of shares and dollar values, they sometimes will move the price against themselves and therefore you don't get quite as good return as if you were to duplicate what they're doing but on a much smaller scale. Let's consider some true-false questions. 
a class A share is always preferred over a class B or class C shares. That's false. The classes do not represent superiority. They're just a different way of structuring how you pay uh, some of your expenses to the fees to, to the fund. And so depending on your holding period, among other things, uh, a class B or class C may make more sense than class A. A fund with a $20 NAV and a 5% load charge can be bought for an ask price of $21. Well, that's false. Although it's very tempting to multiply the 5% times the $20 to get a $1 load fee and add that to the 20, it's also slightly wrong. And what you have to do is you have to divide the $20 by 1 minus 0.05. So 20 divided by 0.95 gives you what the ask price would be. And that turns out to be slightly more than uh, $21. Mutual funds include unit investment trusts and exchange traded funds. That, of course, would be false because unit investment trust and exchange traded fund funds are completely different structures of investment companies. And so, uh, although it's tempting to call any investment company a mutual fund, mutual funds only mean open-end investment companies.